<laughs> Welcome to Belonging Before Believing, <laughs> where we are minding our P's and Q's. I'm Pastor Patrick Mathers, Sovereign Joy Chris John Fellowship. Just all of it? What? I'm Patrick Mathers, Sovereign Joy Christian Fellowship. Pastor Patrick Mathers. Got it. Sovereign Joy Christian Fellowship. It was like a, a what are they called with the dot and the comma? A semicolon. Semi, yeah, it was a that. See, I paused in that. And with, I'm Brian Gumpy, sicker than your average elder. Sicker? Yeah. <laughs> Is that because you're not feeling good? You need some ibuprofen? <laughs> sicker than your average. Is that a... You need some sinus meds? Is that Biggie? That's do a hip-hop need, song. Mm-hmm. Do you need some morphine? <laughs> <laughs> morphine. How sick are you? <laughs> you know. Metamucil, I don't know. (laughs) Get things moving. Hey, we'll get things moving when we mind our P's and Q's, because do you know where that phrase came from? Um, Pints and quarts. Pints and quarts. Mind your pints and quarts. Yeah. Don't get slashed. Yeah, which is funny, because I'm pretty (laughs) sure my teetotaling grandmother is the one who taught me that. Yeah, for sure. Well, nobody knows where a lot of those things come from. My grandma does. Do you know the rule of thumb? Do you know where that one came from? I'm going to say it's a, like a, a unit of measure. Yeah. You, you, like a thumb's worth of yep, length. Yep. You, you couldn't beat your family members <laughs> with anything bigger than your thumb. So the rule of thumb was, is this smaller than my thumb? I can whack on your back with it. <laughs> That's no joke. That's what it's from. Like in girth? Or yeah, girth. Like in... Because <laughs> lengthwise, it's no, just, it's basically you can't beat on them with anything. Right, right. right. A sausage. <laughs> <laughs> That's a tiny sausage, dude. Yeah, but That's I mean... That's a cocktail like, weenie at best. Right, right. Vienna sausage. You yeah. can throw them at them. <laughs> <laughs> you might get an eye poked out or maybe some funk on you, but... <laughs> Hey, what is that Harry Connick Jr. and uh, what's that guy's name? Will Smith. Will Smith from Independence Day. Kick the tires and light the fires. How come? So Will Smith's fallen off. Like he's still a big star and he'll get like his name up there. But man, there's nothing I'm like, ooh, I'm dying to see a Will Smith movie anymore. Did you see Independence Day 2? No. Me neither. See that? But he wasn't in it, right? No. Jeff Goldblum was though, right? Well, I don't know. I feel like it was his thing. Was it his thing? I think it was his thing. His episode of Hot Ones is one of my all-time favorite episodes of Hot Ones. Dude, my episode of my favorite Hot Ones is Alton Brown now. That guy, I like that guy. I haven't watched that one yet. He's a good follow on Instagram, though. I do follow him on Instagram. Yeah, that's a good one. I like the other day he had some woman dressed in leather cooking an octopus and squirting some lemon on it. And he's like, his comment on the bottom is, that's not how you cook octopus. (laughs) (laughs) It was great. It was so good because it was like so pretentious and she was like looking down all disgusted at you and yet she's squirting lemon on this octopus that's tentacles are pouring out of the bowl. Oh, it was great. Yeah, you, you'll find it. Go on. And I'll just, find it. Just scroll back a day or two and you'll find it or three or seven. I don't know. When he when was in Davis, it. he posted <clears throat> on his Instagram. Wait, what? Yeah. Alton Brown was in Davis? This is like a couple years ago. But when he was in Davis, he posted a picture of him eating Woodstock's pizza. Oh, that's cool. Dude, of all the things to eat in Davis. What well, a I've waste. Never, I've never been to Davis except just to rolling through, so I, I know they have Red Rum Burger. That's what I'm saying. Eat some ostrich if you're going to be in Davis. Ah, something tells me he's had ostrich. 
Hey, um, you know what? He's a Southern Baptist. Did you know that? I did know that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He's maybe not one of the uber traditional ones. For sure he's not. But needless to say, he's on our team. Yeah. I did yeah. know that. I, got, I like that. Yeah. I like that. Dude, that Hot Ones episode with him is gold. He drinks, instead of milk, he has a half and half. Mm-hmm. And he's, or is it whole cream? That makes sense. That's yeah. a man who knows his stuff. Yep, yep. And he's like, you know, I'm not coming in here. Apparently somebody, maybe you could research this, had like coated their mouth or their tongue with wax or something so they wouldn't get all fried up with the sauce. And he like made a quip about it. Like he wasn't going to come in there, about to come in there and do that. Oh, no, I haven't watched that one. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. It was off the cuff, but I, I, I read between those lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyways, hey dude, how's your how's your basement? I everybody Brian has moved into a basement. Yep. Yep. It is not bad. I actually got to hang out in the basement this weekend. It was like the first weekend where we're just I was like home all weekend. And Rachel did all of her nesting like beforehand, getting yes, ready dude, for the She's not pregnant. Move. Is she? No. Well, you can nest and not be like I guess this a would, nest is just a place for a bird to live, dude. What a faux pas that would have been if, like, this is how the news got oh, out. <laughs> this is awkward. No, absolutely not. Uh, yeah, so she did all of her like prep, her home prepping or whatever you want to call it, to not make you think that my wife. She's is a prepper. Not prep. Is yeah. that what you're saying? Yeah. So anyway, doomsday. <laughs> Rachel's ready. She's got bacon under her pillow or bacon. whatever that Mormon thing is. <laughs> yep, yep. She's got rice packets and hot sauce galore. Yeah. But <laughs> this is my first weekend to actually make it feel like my house where I live. I feel like mm. I've been in a hotel for the last, like... Did you put a poster up? Two, three weeks. No. No. I just... Honestly, I just freaking cleaned. I don't want to come to your house because you have two cats in your house now. One is outside now. <sighs> put them both out, dude. We're working. We're trying. Just throw her out. I, we did, but she came back. Well, yeah. Zoe. You have to open the door, though, for them to get in. Zoe is in love with that cat, the one that's still in there. Okay. She, like, makes her sleep in her bed every night, and it's pretty wild. She loves that cat more than Skittles, probably more than me at this point. Well, that's, I, I well, I'm still I would hoping never, for a comeback later. I but. would never love a cat more than a person, mm-hmm. for sure. No, never, ever. There's no question that my daughter loves this cat more than most people. Yeah. Most people. Yeah. 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 Samson and Delilah. <laughs> That's their names. And Delilah's the one who's Delilah like... Delilah's yeah. the one, yep. Yep. She's the, the favored one. She's the seductress. Yeah. The one that still gets to stay in the house. Yep. Samson's off killing lions and eating honey out of their guts or whatever. <laughs> Tying foxes' tails together. <laughs> Splitting lions in half by the jaw. Hey, speaking of biblical topics, to do that was a good segue, right? Whenever I do anything serious like that, you say, "Oh, way to bring the mood down." I got caught up on our last like four episodes because I try to listen to them after they come out again. Did I do that every time, dude? Anytime I say anything like that isn't just like mm-hmm. a wisecrack, it's just, ugh, way to bring the mood down. I like it. Took you like four. You had to go back and listen to four episodes. It just happens you a lot. On. Wait. <laughs> Way to bring I don't remember down. doing that. Well, I remember doing it once, but I don't remember doing that four times. Anytime I'm not just like court jester. That's your role here, dude. <laughs> Way to bring the mood down. <laughs> That's what them bells on the shoes are for. <laughs> 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 
Come on, who are you fooling? <laughs> the pinwheel on my hat. <laughs> Is that the sound it makes? Hey, we got a biblical topic. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hit me with it. Hey, Brian. Do you get to answer this one then? All right. I like this. I like the way this is going. <laughs> Brian, what in the world are sacraments? Ordinances. O- ordinances. Next question. <laughs> what does that mean? What are you talking about? What is that? What is a sacrament? What is a sacrament? Yeah. So There's I'll- seven of them, right? What? Isn't there seven? No. No? No. There's two sacraments. What are the two? They are baptism and communion, or what? the Lord's Supper. Okay, not marriage. What's the other name for it? I'm communion, to, yeah. Lord's Supper. Yeah, tasty treat. Tasty treat. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, that's not it. <laughs> no. I feel bad even having said that. Honestly, I can't. I can't. I'm sure that'll come up later uh, about geez. why that's not the case. <laughs> Dang it! There's something I'm trying to think. Okay, well, it's not marriage. No, it's not ordination. No. It's not penance? Foot washing, no. Not foot washing? Someone... Not last rites? Someone, no. Someone tried to say that foot washing was a third ordinance. I know, I remember no. talking that they, one They dude. put us on blast when we were talking to this other church about merging, maybe. Yeah. And one of the guys was like all about foot washing, and I was like, no, dude. It's a brethren thing, he said. Yeah, that's what he said. And brethren. I told him, man, my brother's not washing my feet. <laughs> <laughs> Although I have washed some guy's feet before. Like, and it was a guy who was like not happy with me. He it was, was like, like your last thing you could do to try to try to reconcile with yeah. this guy. Yeah. Yeah. As I washed his feet and he just, his comment was, if I'd have known you were going to do this, I'd have taken a bath before I came in here. That's it. No, no. Okay. This is cool. All right. We're brothers in Christ. Didn't have the I'm desired sorry. effect. Uh, no, 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 <laughs> no. So yeah. Baptism and communion. Are baptism and communion. Yeah. Okay. So B- baptism when you're a baby, though, right? <laughs> right? Uh, I mean, we uh, got a little baptismal fountain back in the back Catholic. of our church here where we meet. Lutheran? Are they pedo? They are. Well, yes. Yes, Lutheran yeah. is. They're, Lutheran, they're yeah. different than Presbyterians and Anglicans, though. They all have a different little nuance. Right. Well, definitely when it comes to communion, Lutherans are different, right? Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. So. But we're not going down the Lutheran road. No? We're straight up Baptists. So we don't baptize our babies? No. Why not? Because the Bible says not to. No, uh, <laughs> we see in Scripture, mm-hmm. as good Baptists, mm-hmm. that baptism is what you do when you are a believer. Cool. As an act of obedience, professing your newfound faith, you get baptized. Can, can I read you a text? Please this is do. right on what you're saying here. Oh, good. So Jesus came up to, to his disciples and he said... All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's out of the mouth of Jesus himself. So, when we talk about baptism, we're talking about something he commanded himself, and he tells us to go to all the world and make disciples and teach them. So whoever it is that we're baptizing, they have to be old enough to be able to understand, comprehend, be taught, and become a disciple. 
right? They can't, they can't, they're going to have to express faith. Right. And if they don't express faith in Christ, then they're not a disciple. Right. So you couldn't, that's, that's why we wouldn't, a major reason why we wouldn't baptize babies and scripture doesn't teach us to do that anywhere. And but, just as a footnote, that's like what makes Baptists Baptists. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and our church government, but well, right. Yeah. Um, the just sick- because the name is Baptist, <laughs> right, right. I figured that was... You're right, it's helpful. <laughs> that should be front and center. <laughs> also, it says to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we are Trinitarian, right? When we baptize, we don't baptize in the name of just Jesus, like some people do, right? Who does that? Weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> Scallywags. <laughs> I like my word better. It's more pejorative. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah, I want to give them the business because it doesn't make sense. Well, they do. No, really? Like, is that? Yeah, it's a thing. But, it, but really, like, who does it? Uh, like holiness Pentecostals, uh. um, oneness people, also Pentecostals, word of faith, also Pentecostals. <laughs> Go figure. And they only baptize in the name of Jesus? In Jesus, yeah. That's so when super you get, weird. You would think you get, that Pentecostals would baptize in the name of the Spirit if they're going to pick one. Well, because there's in the passage in Acts where it says to just that they baptized in the name of Jesus, but I we just see that as shorthand for right, you know, the whole Trinity. They're you know the, they weren't just excluding the Father and the Son. There, like Jesus told us to do that, so you, you can't quite get around that. So we are Trinitarian. We don't baptize babies. How do we baptize, Brian? What method do we use? Full submersion. Full submersion. <laughs> Does a joke. Immersion. Immersion. Full immersion. <laughs> <laughs> so you need a large body of water, right? Uh, you need to be able to get underneath there. Yeah. yeah okay. A hot tub. A hot tub would that would, would work. do it. Yeah. 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 A slow cooker full of water wouldn't no. cut it. No. Um. I depends seen- on the size of the believer. <laughs> 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 I'm just gonna move on. That's, it's basically true. Well, a horse trough would work, right? Yeah. I mean, if you're in a pinch, I guess it depends on the size of the believer. Yeah. So Finn or when, the horse trough, in, I guess. In uh, Force Awakens, he goes and he drinks water out of that that yucky water where the big gullet creature is. He could be baptized in there, mm-hmm. right? I mm-hmm. mean, if he professed faith in Christ, and we could baptize him on Jakku. Why? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Nerd, <laughs> why? Uh, why full immersion? Ah, good. Well, why it, not like just enough to get your face underneath there? Yeah. Well, there's some that do that. Well, we we it symbolizes something. It symbolizes um, our dying to our old self and being raised in newness of life. Paul talks about this in Romans chapter six, uh, Colossians chapter two. Um, those are good passages to go and look at. But basically what it is is so you are standing, you know, with the pastor, whoever's going to baptize you, you make a public profession of faith in Christ, which is what we find the apostolic example in the book of Acts to be. And then once that public profession of faith is made, then you, in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, are put under the water, and that's symbolizing death to your old self, and then coming up out of the water symbolizes being raised in newness of life, being born again. It's your, your spiritual resurrection, as it were. So it's communicating that I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. 
So, and it's a public identification. So you would do that and you were identifying with Christ. And so everybody knew it then once you did it out there publicly, it wasn't something that, you know, you, you, you know, you go in the, I've baptized people in backyard swimming pools and hot tubs before. Um, technically, that's not really, <laughs> I mean, you can do it there and I'm, I'm, I'm not saying it isn't a valid baptism, but it, it is your public profession of faith in Christ. So the issue with like a swimming pool or a hot tub, are you saying it's not the location, but it's who's in attendance? Yeah. So you're saying it was like just a handful of people. Yeah, yeah. It should be. I think the, the best case scenario would be that it's um, in front of your friends and family who aren't believers pardon me, along with a group of believers. So maybe a part of the worship service where your friends and family are there in attendance. That would make sense because you're publicly identifying as a Christian now where you you weren't previously identifying as a Christian. So when you're talking about how that wasn't like the best way to do it, you're not calling or yeah, you're not drawing issue with the location, no. but more with the audience. Right, right. There was like just like two or three people. Right you know, whoever could fit in their car Got it. and came over kind of thing, which, I mean, I'm still going to do. I still think it's a valid baptism. Um, there are baptisms I guess we wouldn't consider valid, right? I mean, even if they're done in the name of the Trinity, like we would probably object to a Roman Catholic baptism. Mm-hmm. We would Why? encourage, well, because they have a different gospel, number one, and as much as there, is, as, uh, there are a lot of similarities but they're believing in a justification through a, a basis of works um, and not um, it works plus grace, works plus faith, whereas we are just saved by faith alone in Christ alone. Um, we wouldn't uh, necessarily say that maybe a Presbyterians, um, because they're saying that they're part of the new covenant. When you're baptized, you become a covenant member. And we would say, no, you don't become a member of the new covenant until you profess faith in in Christ as your Lord and Savior. And you can't do that until you're old enough to. So we would reject their infant baptism. Um, While we wouldn't with so many others, Presbyterians were really, really close with on so many things. So what if... That's why I'm picking the near and the far, right? Presbyterian Roman Catholic. What if somebody's saved in a Presbyterian church Mm -hmm. and they're baptized... As an adult? As an adult. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, they would still say that's a valid form of baptism. Um, they, so when a, I actually don't know the answer to this question. I'm pretty sure I do. Okay. But I, I just so get caught, so caught up on Presbyterians <sighs> baptizing babies that I don't even like. We never don't even, know a lot of Presbyterians here in Chico, really. Well, either. I was just going to, not yeah, not real ones. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, plenty of people who go to Presbyterian churches that don't know. Presbyterian. Anyway, um, what, but yeah, I don't know how Presbyterians baptize adults. Do they still sprinkle adults? Uh, well, they, they, I have seen and heard tell of full immersion and I have not heard sprinkling so, of, of an adult from Presbyterians. I could be wrong though. So why would you sprinkle a baby other than it's just going to get pissed and cry? <laughs> no, really. Well, you don't want it to get pissed and cry. Well, sure, but if you, okay, let's say I'm Presbyterian and and I see yeah. this and I see this as like bringing them into the covenant family mm-hmm. or Lutheran, it's regenerative. Sure, yeah, sure. Uh, or, if it's that important, 
like I make my daughter cry for a lot less all the time. Sure. So, so why are they doing it? Why are they sprinkling when I don't think that, no, of course not, uh, that you're going to ever see an instance of that being the case in scripture. Oh, sprinkling versus dunking. Yeah. Oh, oh, I see. I, I'm following you now. Well, there are some that would dunk. I mean, there's some funny little <laughs> videos out there of priests and people dunking babies, like doing the this and the baby screaming, but you know everyone's happy because baby's supposedly baptized now. And then some sprinkle. I think sprinkling is just practical. I don't. I I can't think of a reason why, except they, just they think it doesn't matter. They sprinkled uh, blood, you know, all over the place with hyssop, but they're not using hyssop when they're sprinkling babies. They're using I forget what the little thing's called, but it's a little metal jobby, and they do the whammy whammy like <laughs> they're banging a gong, but they're just getting the kid wet. You know, is that descriptive enough for you? <laughs> with blood. <laughs> Well, I think I think that they're they're using that Old Testament symbolism that would have been with blood certainly, and that this child is now covered with the blood of Christ. It just ha- it's just water now. So that would I mean be a different symbol than the one we're talking about, right? Um, so let's this get away from us because there's mm-hmm. a whole second half to what you want to do here. I yeah, see. yeah. yeah. Uh, so this is something that is an observed as an act of obedience made mm-hmm. by a new believer. Yeah. So this is why we do it, it to, to sum it up in a simple, concise way that when you become a believer in Jesus Christ and you trust in him and him alone as your Lord and your savior, then you are publicly baptized as a sign outwardly for all to see that you have died to your old self and you've been raised a new person in Christ Jesus, and now we're a part of his church. So just to cover our bases here, you're a Christian, mm-hmm. but you don't end up getting baptized. It's You should. You, it's, you need to get baptized. But if you die before oh, you're, baptizing. Yeah, right, right. No, you're, that's, you're justified by faith. You, you're saved by faith, not, not, by, by baptism. Ba- not by baptism. So on the reverse side, if you're not a Christian and you get baptized. You got wet. You got wet. That's it. It's not a salvific thing in no, any way. No, absolutely nothing happened. So I have a good friend that I used to grave with, and he was one of the first people that I went and tried to talk to when I became a Christian, and he showed me his baptism certificate. And like literally like, hey, I'm good, check me out. And that, that was the end of the conversation because there was nowhere to go from there because he was absolutely certain he was good because he had this baptism certificate, and I was absolutely certain he wasn't because his life gave me no indication that he was a genuine believer. So he'd gotten baptized somewhere in the past, gotten this certificate, and he was like, I'm good. I'm gold. So, Pat, yeah, what is our other ordinance again? The Lord's Supper, communion. Yeah. So there are lots of different takes on this. But basically... In the New Testament, when Jesus died, the night before he died, he took Passover meal, which was a whole full-on meal, and took two elements out of that meal and re-consecrated them. The Eucharist. The, the Eucharist. Oh, sure. That's the other word. That's yeah. what has been killing me. Yeah. Okay. We don't call it that. Of course but, not. But you, know, but you know what it is. I was trying to think of names. Yeah. So um, he, he consecrated bread that he broke and he consecrated wine uh, that he thanked the Lord for. And he said that these two elements now symbolize something new, distinct from what they used to symbolize 
under Passover. So he took these elements. No small deal. No small deal. And in doing that act, basically said, Passover's done. Don't do that anymore. This is not something we celebrate. This new thing that I'm consecrating is what we celebrate now. So as a Christian, there's a whole other topic, but we shouldn't be doing Passover seders. You know, for, there's no reason to do it. It makes no sense. But what he consecrated was bread and wine. And he said that the bread is emblematic or representative of his broken body for us. So he thanked the Lord and he took the bread that he had and he broke it up into pieces and distributed it to his disciples. And they ate and he said to do that in remembrance of him. And then in the same way, he took the cup filled it with wine and had them all drink. And he said, this symbolizes his blood in the new covenant. So as often as that we eat the bread and drink the cup, that we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So it's a gospel presentation each and every time we do it. So it's interesting that we're preaching the gospel to ourselves as the church, right? Gospel is usually something people think you go out and you share the gospel with unbelievers, but we're actually in the very act of communion, saying, no, we're preaching the gospel through this act to ourselves, reminding us of our need for the gospel, what the gospel includes, which is Christ's death for us, his dying in our place so that we might have new life in him. So what's the benefit? Like we, we talked about with baptism that it's a public profession of faith. Mm-hmm. It, uh, not only just an act of obedience, but the hope is that it's evangelistic too. That's why mm-hmm. we invite our family and friends to yeah. talk about our, our <clears throat> typically newfound faith. Mm-hmm. So in this case, and you were kind of talking about it at the end there, but what, what's the benefit? What's the point? Well, I think there's a couple, maybe three things. First of all is it's just for Christians. This isn't something that are for, is for the unbelievers. In fact, there's a passage in 1 Corinthians 11 that talks about if you drink, the, if you eat and drink in an unworthy manner. I mean, I, I take that to mean not a Christian. You don't discern that this is the body and blood of Christ represented for your behalf that you're actually eating and drinking judgment on yourself. And some people became weak and ill, and some have even died as a judgment from the Lord because they weren't Christians and they were partaking of it. So one, the benefit of it is, is it's, it's a dividing line. Here's who is in the church and here's who isn't in the church. It's an acknowledgement, yes, I am part of the body of Christ, and those who aren't shouldn't partake of it because of what it symbolizes. The second benefit, in my mind, is that we are um, fellowshipping with one another. We're communing with one another, and we're acknowledging as a church corporately together, we belong together because we're Christians. This applies to me and is important for me because Jesus Christ died for my sins and for all of us. So it's something we do in unison, in union together. We become genuine spiritual co-belligerents, to use a big 50-cent word, um, because of our faith in Christ. The third thing I think it does is we fellowship not only with our believers, our fellow believers, but we fellowship with Christ in a unique and distinct way than we do the rest of the service. Because when we pray, we're talking to God and waiting to hear from him. When we sing, we're worshiping him with our voice and with our heart and with our mind. When we hear the word preached, 
we're thinking and we're letting the Spirit um, convict us in certain areas, encourage us in certain areas. But when we come to the Lord's table, there's something going on there where we're coming to Christ and we're saying, this is what you did for me on my behalf. And we're fellowshipping with Christ in a very spiritual way that we aren't in the rest of the worship service, which is why I think it behooves us to do it every single Sunday because we need that reminder, reflection, but we also need that fellowship with Christ every single time that we gather together. So there's a lot of different perspectives on what actually happens when we are taking communion. Um, When Jesus said, this is my body, this is my blood, some people took Mm -hmm. that real literally. So... This is this literally becomes the body and blood, like Catholic. So they would believe that it, the priest is the only one who can perform this miracle at this time where he literally turns the body, the bread into the body of Christ and the wine into the blood of Christ. Yeah. And, you know, a Lutheran idea would be, well, the Christ is present in and around and upon and through, and while the element itself doesn't change, the nature of it changes because it becomes a spiritual presence of Christ. And we would reject both of those. Um, and some people just take it as purely a memorial. In fact, most Baptists probably would. That all I'm doing is I'm purely remembering what Jesus did. I'm doing it in remembrance and just taking those crass words, not crass words, taking words that they're most fundamental and not allowing them to say anything more than that level, which is unfortunately a Baptist tradition. Um, but the, I think there is more going on there than just just those things. Wouldn't there have to be? Yeah, I think so. If taking it in an unworthy manner would reap the repercussions that Paul said they did, yeah. like how could you possibly see it as just a memorial if that's what happens? Right. <laughs> uh, you know, I was at a church service, and I don't know if I've told you, or I don't think I've said this on the show, I'm sure I've told you, but the pastor up front, he said, hey, if you're not a believer, go ahead and take anyways, because hey, how much worse can it get for you than hell? <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's, <laughs> you got nothing to lose. You got no, he, well, you, <laughs> that's what his mind was, you're going to hell anyways, might as well eat and drink while you're on your way. And it's like, oh my gosh, that's the worst <laughs> Because the bread and the cup is such a tasty treat, right? As you said yeah. earlier. Well, we, we, a lot of people, the reason I thought of that is because a lot of people have in mind that it's the Christian snack at the end of the service. And while nobody's really going to say that in that way, that's the way it's treated. Nobody, th- a lot of places, so many places I've been to that you don't really think about what you're doing. There's not a huge emphasis placed on this. It's just kind of, it's tradition. It's juice and bread at the end of the service. Yeah, it's tradition instead of, you know, well, one is juice. Gee whiz. Quit with the juice. <laughs> Jesus Christ consecrated wine, and so we should use the elements he consecrated. Um, but, uh, but, but apart from that, it, it is there has to be some kind of spiritual element where we're meeting with God in somehow a unique and distinct way. So... Jesus commanded us to do these things, mm-hmm. but he also commanded us to uh, evangelize. He commanded us to pray. He commanded us mm-hmm. to do a lot of other things. So why are these the two ordinances? Well, or, the word ordinance literally means a law. It's something that we obey. 
And these are the two things that Christ commanded his church to do, was to baptize. All the other things we certainly do, but we don't call them law. We don't call them, um, you know, sacred actions that we're performing. Certainly there is a sacred element to preaching the gospel and fellowshipping and, um, you know, all the other things that we do as a church. But there's something... Um, distinct about these two things because that's all we've been commanded by the Lord to do. So we haven't been commanded for these other things like um, penance and indulgences and um, foot washing. You know, the Lord, when he instituted foot washing, one of the things that you want to look for, why are these two the only ordinances? Did Jesus command us to do it? Yes. Did the apostles continue to practice this in the book of Acts? Yes, with both baptism and the Lord's Supper. And do we have instruction in the epistles on how to continue to do those things or do them rightly? And the answer is yes, only in the case of baptism and the Lord's Supper. So none of those other things fall into that category. Well, that's tidy. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I mean, doesn't that's so helpful, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I think that, that it would be... The church would be helped if they read their Bibles more. <laughs> Do you think that outsiders, to use a pretty fun term, do you think that outsiders think that these things are weird? Yeah, I think people in the church think they're weird, too, oh. when they're not instructed rightly, too. Yeah. Right? Like, there's some kind of spirit, like super voodoo element to oh, it. Yeah. You know, where if it's and both positively and negatively. So if if you go to a church and you go up and you take the communion, that you you're good. Like I am so good. I just took the body and blood of Christ. I'm totally okay right now. I've you know, that's communicated to people. And so they think that there's somehow sacred benefit in partaking of these little elements. And baptism as well, you know, that there's somehow real mystical power taking place in that moment when the infant is baptized or the person is baptized, and but they really aren't professing faith. So we talked about this before, I can't remember which episode, where there were certain laws, especially like the ceremonial ones, where the intent of us obeying those laws was to be set apart. Mm-hmm. Or it was pretty obvious to our neighbor, to even like our uh, family and friends, that we were just different. And do you think that the ordinances, because they are just so counter, not even cultural, just counter everything. Dude, they're punk rock. Yeah. yeah. That there's a similar spirit in that. I mean, communion, yes, you're like eating a food that like we could go to the store and we could buy these things. Well, the difference like is... Like, they're there for right. anyone to buy. Right. But, like, like baptism, like, there's, like, nothing else like baptism. No, there isn't. And, well, I would argue that there's nothing else like communion either. And Right. I and just mean the elements we it, use for right. it. And you're, if you're doing it rightly, you know, it isn't something that you do with a family at home. It isn't something that you do with your buddies when you're on a short-term missions trip. It's something that you do with your local body of believers that you are a member of that church. If you go visit another church, you maybe partake of it there because you're saying that you're united with them. But there's some people who won't even do that, you know, and I understand that. I totally get that, that they won't, you know, because they're, they're, they're co-laboring. They're, 
members of this local body so they partake of it there and they see that's the instructions Paul gave is in the context of worship in a local church service. So it isn't something to be taken lightly and it isn't something that, you you know, you can just on your own go and do. So that's why, you know, people have done Doritos and Coke for communion and they, they'll, you know, there's these little traveling kits that you can mm-hmm. get with like three little cups and two little wafers and you're on the road and you meet somebody and hey, let's do communion together. That's not a congregation of a local church, right? <laughs> you know, and so th- those, those instances, no matter how well-intentioned, I think are a misuse of that particular sacrament. And I'd say baptisms are too. You just you, you lead somebody to the Lord out in the middle of the woods, and yeah, you maybe you baptize them, but I would instruct them, hey, let's go get you hooked up with a local church, and then have the baptism take place there in the context of the local church. But I want to be baptized now. I want to be baptized in Israel. Oh, nice. <laughs> Don't know. <laughs> Location doesn't matter. Just get baptized. Do it as a way that publicly professes your faith in Christ, both to your local congregation and to um, your family and friends. And then regularly meet with those believers and partake in communion with them. Take the Holy, take the Lord's Supper together, and receive that spiritual blessing that comes along with it. Boom, boom, roasted. <laughs> Is that not it? No, but okay. a good try. All right, hey, do you want a question of the day? Yeah, sure. I actually have one. What? Techno, this is a two-parter. Ooh. Okay? Twofold, if you will. What technology has only made the world worse? And what technology has made the world better? What technology has made the world worse? And what technology has made the world better? Do you got anything right off the top of your head? So it says not made the world worse. But I just finished reading, this is going to buy me some time. I just finished <laughs> reading Republicrat. And again, Carl Truman talks about how the invention of the automobile was mm. to the detriment of the church. Yeah. Because people just church shop around and it's all you got to do. Like he, he talks about how uh, consumerism has infiltrated the church. And, mm-hmm. and if you don't like it and they don't cater to your whims, then you just leave. You just go somewhere yeah. else. Yeah. Unfortunately, gone are the days where you lived near church. That's uh, just where you went. Where you, you, you lived in a city where, you know, there was some main, there's churches on the main line. That's why they're called mainline churches. There was a Baptist, a Lutheran, a Presbyterian, a Methodist, a, you know, the, the, you knew what you were getting and you just walked and you went to that church and that's what you had, you know, and you, you, whatever conviction you had, you went there. Yeah. He's not wrong. I like Carl Truman for that. Selfie sticks. That's better? That's my technology I'm going with that made the world worse. Oh, world worse. <laughs> Selfie sticks. The, they have made the world worse. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. I my- feel like I could come up with a better one if I thought longer, but on the spot. Mm-hmm. How about better? Better. I mean, take your pick. That's, that's like too many options. Okay. Um, immediately, uh, I just like the internet. Easily. Like, what What can top that? Nothing. Roads. That. <laughs> Paved roads. How nope. about that? Nope, the internet's better. Uh, no. <laughs> Sorry. I'm going with Airplanes. 
Space Force? Space Force. That's going to be better than the Rocket internet. Rocket ships. Rocket ships? Yeah. Okay, what, what's made it worse? Um, I think, okay, one that's, to me, has, this is going to be, anyways, I, I don't like self-checkout lines at the grocery store. Really? Yeah. While there is an element of convenience in it, I really enjoy the experience of waiting in line and seeing what everybody else is buying <laughs> and hearing how much they're spending and actually talking to the people who are at the counter and then bagging, bagging my own groceries. I really enjoy that experience. Well, I think there's something taken out of it that's self-checkout. Well, aren't you quaint? Yeah. Well, but I did notice that you said bagging my own groceries. Well, that's a newer thing, yeah. That is a newer thing. Yeah, well, before you would have had a guy who bags, and you could talk to him, too, and that's, that's cool, That's why too. I was going to say, it seems like you're being inconsistent talking about this bagging your own groceries nonsense. Well, it's because that's what I do. So I, I try to avoid the self-check as much as I can. I, I like, so there's this woman in front of me last night when I went to the grocery store, and she spent $589 on groceries at the Food Max. That's a lot of Food Max. Five hundred and eighty nine. That's nearly six hundred dollars. I have never spent that much money, even at Costco, in my life on groceries for sure. I doubt I've spent more than four hundred. All right. I wouldn't have had that experience. You see, if I went to the self checkout, right. I would have been like, I wouldn't have been flabbergasted. I, so you're inspiring me. I'm not gonna yeah. say self checkout, but those like the thing that my wife is so excited about today. Oh, to pull up a Target and yeah, get your you can food just drive to up to Target and they'll like bring your groceries out to you mm-hmm. unless you are like physically unable. <laughs> it's pretty lame, huh? Yeah, yeah. Get they out. have that everywhere now. Though. Get out. Yeah, yeah. We're we're super lazy people. I'm a super lazy person. But I like exchanging and talking with people and interacting and people watching. I miss people watching. Mm-hmm. That was the thing. So the old, I'm going to say this last thing. With the mall that we had growing up, Westminster Mall, there used to be these little alcoves on the second story that were all painted in glass. And you could just sit there and watch people. They were literally for people watching. They might have even been called people watchers, now that I'm thinking about it. And... That just doesn't exist anymore. Where do you go and just sit and look at people? Nowhere, right? I mean... I mean, that's basically why I go to the Thursday night farmer's markets when I go. Do you? Yeah. Yeah, but it's a little weird when you just sit and look at people, right? There's like an uncomfortability there mm, where I don't I think do there it. used to be. I think that used to be like just like... Oh, the fair. It's the fun fair. at the fair, too. <laughs> to get a... A deep fried corn dog, a deep fried Twinkie, a deep fried Oreo, and and a deep fried milkshake. And watch people strut their stuff. And just sit and watch people strut. Yep. Yep. Yeah. There's some odd people who walk through there. Hey, dude, bring us home. Eat a deep fried Twinkie. Eat a deep fried Oreo. People watch. Put your head in the sand. I don't care. We believe you belong. (laughs) 